the intentionality of how you spend your time is just it's just the game. There, there's nothing more valuable in your life, particularly if you're a business owner. There's nothing more valuable in your life than your time. And therefore, how you spend your time is the most important decision you have to make. This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name is Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at the One Thing team. In the last episode, we talked about relationships and finding a mentor. Uh, you are going to want to listen to that episode because the person you are going to hear today touches on the importance of relationships time and time again. In the last episode, we went specifically into how to do all that. So make sure you check that one out. This episode is another one of my favorites that we have done period. Uh, I could not be more proud to make this episode 50, which for us is a huge milestone. Uh, 50 is a big number. And uh, this has been one of the most meaningful experiences that I have had is, is serving you through this podcast. So we're excited to bring you today an incredible conversation with an incredible human being. When I first started working with Gary and Jay, immediately I was asked to create a training program on the back end of the book, specifically on time blocking. Jay handed me a list of names that he said, these are people that I respect, that know the book, that live the book. And this person right at the top, he teaches it. He is a master faculty within our organization. You want to talk to this man. And that first conversation I had with him was, was incredible. And since that time, we have been in trainings and masterminds together I have never met anybody who has more writer downers um, outside of Gary Keller than this guy right here. <laughs> you are just going to, I promise, your mind will be expanded. You want to listen to the entire thing. If you don't have time on your drive right now, time block the time later, make it happen. It will be an incredible use of your time because not only are we talking about achieving this elusive work-life balance, which you will not believe what this guy's lifestyle is like, we're going to talk a lot about your mindset. You are going to hear time and time again. Just listen for it. I'm telling you now because I want you to hear it. The intention in his voice, how clear he is on what he has wanted throughout his life, the intention that he and his wife have brought to their actions every single day, and how he talks about accountability, how he talks about standards. And I'll let you guys know, uh, we are going to have a really special book recommendation in this episode because Audible is supporting this one. And so I'm asking our guest today for his favorite book. So stay tuned for the middle of the episode where we're going to tell you about that as well. So with that, let's get into my conversation with Gene Rivers. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is, Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. 
Again, that's factormeals.com slash O-N-E-5-0 and use code O-N-E-5-0 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. You know, so we, we, we talked a little bit about where we wanted to go with this. I remember Jay telling me one of the things that he respects most about you is not only how you have thrived in business and, and done it with your wife of 26 years, but you've also managed to be an incredible husband, an incredible father, strike that elusive counterbalance between work and play that so many people think is just a dream. Uh, but like you said, I just this is my life. So I want to I talk about what that's like and, and ultimately how you got there. You know, I got to tell you right up front, uh, we haven't perfected anything. I think it's always a work in progress. So we have made it intentional, though, that that we're going to live our life in a way that we give time to play, that we get give time to our family, and we give time to work, obviously, and we give time to learning. And we've been able to get some degree of comfort with moving back and forth in between those those zones where we're working and we're playing and we're thinking uh, about our our lives and our future. And we've, we've been engaging our kids in that since they were literally born. And um, we have four kids, two boys, two girls, and the kids have all uh, been frankly amazing kids and then amazing adults. Um, our baby now uh, is just literally last week graduated from high school, uh, <laughs> 18, on his way to college in August, um, heading off to Europe for a back classic graduate high school backpack through Europe kind of thing with three of his buddies. Uh, he and uh, all the other kids have, I think, been part of our experiment in trying to find the balance that you were talking about. Let me give people a snapshot of what your life looks like right now because then we can... I'm really curious when you said you've been teaching your kids this from the moment they were born because I've got itty bitties, so I'd love to go there. But um, for people who do not know Gene, um, he's been in business with his wife for 26 years. They have nine businesses across Florida. They've got four children, a grandson. They spend two months a year snow skiing and an additional two months a year at their beach house or traveling. So I think of four months a year, okay, a third of the year <laughs> playing. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, how does that happen? <laughs> Please tell. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it happens through intentionality. Uh, you know, there's so many books about this, this simple issue and the issues about mindset. And it's clearly in the one thing and it's clearly in Lots of other materials from all kinds of speakers all over, all over the business and personal life uh, world. Uh, you got to have your mindset. What you, what you want out of life uh, can actually happen. And I think a lot of people hear people doing things like you just said about my family, two months a year snow skiing, and they think, well, that would be nice, but it, I don't think they think it cognitively, but I think in their gut, they think, well, it's, that'd be nice, but it ain't going to happen for me. Well, you know what? You're right. It's mm -hmm. the Henry Ford uh, motto. If you think you can or think you can't, you're going to be right. And I believe that. I only have a couple of things on my wall, and that's one of the things I stare at because I think it is about intentionality. It is about mindset. So when our kids were young, uh, we realized that our, 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 our dream, uh, we loved our kids, we loved spending time with them, and that our dream of 
spending time together in the future had to be something we worked on because most of our experience, uh, my wife and I both, uh, once we got out of high school, we were gone for a variety of reasons. Uh, uh, almost everybody we knew that's kind of what happened. But we also had a few people that we liked and really admired whose you know families didn't just like break up when high school was over. Uh, they they stayed a family and they spent time together and that's what we wanted and it seemed idyllic but it became a mindset and when my wife and I went into business together that was literally part of the the pursuit uh, we met over 30 years ago actually about 35 years ago and we decided that we wanted to be in business together we each had a career path and we decided that we wanted to open a business be in business together. And truthfully, one of the main reasons to do that was to make the kind of money where we could have a more flexible lifestyle. And we thought being a small business owner could do that. And we thought that first before we thought about our our career path, which was real estate that we ended up choosing. Uh, And it was about a year in in the process of trying to figure out what to do. So I think there's a very simple practical reality that whatever lifestyle you want, uh, it starts with, well, how are you going to fund it? You don't have to have a screaming global lifestyle uh, to have a magnificent life. But if you want a screaming global lifestyle, like traveling around the world regularly, you're going to have to make money to fund that. So you got to figure out about the work and you got to figure out about you know the money you can make and the work you're doing. And if that won't fund the kind of life you want, then you're going to have to find different work. Uh, and again, that may seem very simplistic, but that's that's the truth of it. Well, so uh, the vast majority of our audience, we did a poll recently, we found about 65% are business owners or solopreneurs and, and the others employees or and then there's a small majority that said they're neither. We've got people who've already chosen that path of entrepreneurship, that path where um, there's not necessarily a ceiling over their head where they could have that type of a lifestyle. Yet for so many of them, they end up becoming workaholics or feeling like they don't have time for family. They don't have time to take a vacation. What do you say to those people? Well, the most important thing to understand is it's, it's not about how much time you put into your business. It's what do you put into the time that you do put into your business. And you know, we could easily just stop and talk about the one thing because that's it. You know, The issue is not if I throw more hours at my time, I'll be more successful. The issue is if I don't have, if you don't, if you have a business and you're not as successful as you'd like to be, the problem is very simple. It's the way you're spending your time. It isn't about more time. It's about you need to change the way you spend your time, and that is a fundamental truth. And yet, it's fundamentally hard for people to change. So I think it's very difficult. And I think, I think the one thing does a great job of opening people's eyes up to what some of the actual real issues are, the myths that you have in your head, your failure to time block, your failure to understand the 80-20 rule, the fact that some things are incredibly valuable if you want to have big success, and and yet they almost get no time or attention. Uh, So you got to change that. So I, I think if your audience is a lot of small business owners, I congratulate you for taking that leap of faith. But if you haven't gotten where you want to go and it's three or four or five years into your business that you started, uh, you really need to examine the way you're spending your time. And I wouldn't pretend to tell a lot of business owners 
to know what they should be doing as opposed to what they are doing. Um, but I know in a lot of businesses, particularly where sales are involved, like like the one I'm in, the real estate business, uh, the main issue is uh, you're you're spending your time, literally you're spending your time with the wrong people. And that could be on the phone or face-to-face. But for sales businesses, uh, and that's a whole lot of businesses, whether it's restaurants or shoes or real estate, uh, you need to look at the people you surround yourself with in your business and the vendors you surround yourself with and the the clientele you surround yourself with. Because, But the people that are buy your goods and services, the people that provide you raw products for your business, and then the people who work in your business, all those people are getting you what you're getting. And if you don't like what you're getting, you better stare hard at those people because that's where your problem probably is. Rabbit hole number one, we're diving down. (laughs) Um, You're striking probably the biggest chord you can strike with me, which is your network. Um, It was that Jim Rohn quote that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, which is what prompted me to look up when I was in medical device sales and say, I need to make a change. It was the number one reason I chose to take a leap of faith, quit a quote secure job and move my family to Austin, Texas to start the business with Gary and Jay. When I hear you say surround yourself with the right people, when you say mentors, friends, that makes 100% sense to me. And I think a lot of people that makes sense to as well. And we had an episode on this recently. If you guys go back, I believe it was episode 49. Uh, which was an interview I was featured on someone else's podcast. I, I displayed that one. Go back and listen to that one because we went deep into that. But Gene, you said something very specific here. Your customers. What do you mean you're not spending time with the right customers? Well, customers are not all equal. People that come into uh, any business uh, on the surface, they all look the same. It's men and women and kids and they're walking in and out, walking in and out, but they're really not. Some of them can help your business significantly and it won't be a majority, it'll be a minority. But there are people in every uh, community, in every city, uh, in small towns, there are people who have more influence than other people. And that's just a fact. And it might be just genetic that some people are much more sociable as well as much more uh, leadership minded. And the people that are social and leadership minded typically dictate currents in their communities. You know, if they say, oh, I went to this new restaurant and it's awesome, there'll be a lot more people that will go to that place than if someone else said, I went to this restaurant and it was awesome. If that second person doesn't have a lot of influence or doesn't have a leadership uh, component, then they'll not have the audience for that remark that someone does uh, have that has those components. So you need to understand who your target audience is when you launch a business. Uh, One of the main challenges we've seen that real estate agents don't understand is that if somebody gets a real estate license and becomes an agent, one thing they don't have uh, hardly ever, in fact, I've, I've almost never seen it, is a grand opening party for their business. They just, uh, they just launched a small business and there's no grand opening party. So there's almost no word of mouth and there's no energy and there's no enthusiasm and excitement. There's no party uh, and they just kind of crawl their way out of the launch of their business with almost no energy other than the energy they're bringing every day. So. Uh, having a group of people around you, if you think about a typical business, when you launch it, having a group of people around, who would you invite? The Chamber of Commerce, you'd invite 
principal of the school where your kid goes. You'd invite your doctor. You'd invite a lot of connected, influential, successful people to that, that one event in one evening. And from that point on, you would have a much bigger buzz because you started your business with 50 people that matter in terms of influence. So on an ongoing basis, if you think about that, uh, who are you spending time with this week in your business that can be influential? Who who hasn't been to your business that lives within five miles of it who needs to be in your business? I mean, it's a simple, simple truth that there are people within a four to five mile radius of almost any business that, that can make or break your business, whatever it is. So, yeah, I think it is about who you surround yourself with and you need to be intentional about it. Have a darn, if your business isn't where you want it, I don't care if it's three years old, have a darn grand reopening and get the right people who need to know about your business in the door. Get them in the door. Make it a charity event. You know, raise money for good works and have 100 people that matter that are within four or five miles of your office. Well, something's going to happen here because I I can feel my head spinning, which is usually when I know I'm learning something. So first and foremost, thank you. I know that for the people who are listening to this, I'm willing to bet the majority of people just went, oh my dear. (laughs) Never did that. Great idea. And then they're going to do nothing. It's going to go in one ear and out the other. Well, we're right back in the beginning talking about mindset. Yes. You know, what do you what do you really want and what are you willing to do for it? So back to our story, when Rebecca and I decided to go into business together. We put three months of personal overhead, three months of bills in the bank, and we started to sell real estate. And if we didn't make money in the third month, we were going to have to go back and do some other work because we had two kids at the time. It wasn't a joke. It wasn't a whim. We weren't college students. So we were, we were very focused. Our mindset was to make it work. And we did. We got launched. And within two years, we had a... Um, uh, a growing business. We bought a three-level home uh, in South Dade County in Florida, uh, right by the water near Black Point Marina. We had two new cars. Things were looking good. And then Hurricane Andrew came along, and that's right where it hit, South Dade County, and it turned our three-level home into a two-level. And we lost one of two cars. We owed money on all of that. And uh, we still had two kids. Uh, worse, our Properties that we had listed were destroyed or taken off the market. The stuff was set to close was destroyed or taken off the market. The real estate company itself was destroyed. And uh, in 36 hours, we had no home, only one car, two kids, no income, and no, no business to work out of. So we moved up to Tallahassee, Florida after about two months of figuring out what we thought we were going to do. And we restarted in that community, which is where I live today. And our mindset there was even more focused on we need a phenomenal business because now we have a mountain of debt to get out of. And we wanted to have a very different lifestyle than uh, than what we were having, even though it looked really good on the surface. We knew that the, the need to make money, uh, and it's not for money's sake, but the need to make money to fund a life where you truly get what you want out of your life was real. And it was it was kind of a fundamental in your gut. You had to get clear on that issue. So 
we got really intentional and we decided in the first uh, year in a brand new market, we wanted to be in the top 10 of the agents in the market. And there was over 1,200 agents. And we also wanted to buy a new home. But we also did not, and this was the key thing, we did not want to sacrifice family time, if at all possible. And that's when we got a, a, that's when we got in the habit of realizing it's not more hours. It's what do you do with the hours? So in, in our industry, and particularly in our company, Keller Williams, we talk a lot about lead generation. And the, the fundamental component of lead generation is really very simple. It's talking to people. And Rebecca and I really got clear in our head that we weren't going to win by talking to people one-on-one or even worse, waiting for people to talk to us. We had to get out there and not just talk to one-on-one people, but we need to talk to 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 people uh, every hour. And I'm, and I'm not kidding about that. So we, uh, we got this simple little plan, and that was we went to the gym, the busiest gym in the area that we wanted to focus on. It was open at 5 a.m., and there were about 60 or 70 people that were regulars there at that time. And in three months, you get to know all the regulars. And we'd, we'd leave there and we'd go to the busiest breakfast place. And that would be about 7 a.m. And uh, you realize that at 7 a.m., five days a week, about the same people are there. There's another 60 or 70 people. And we'd read the paper uh, after talking to a bunch of people standing in line and eating breakfast next to us. But we'd read the paper specifically for one thing, and that was the meetings that were being held around town. So we'd go to the uh, you know, meetings that were being held that were open to anyone who wanted to drop in and check them out. So the Rotary Club, the Civitan Club, the County Commission meeting, school board meeting. Uh, we go to, I go to Ducks Unlimited and uh, learn about shooting ducks. And then I go to Audubon meeting and learn about saving ducks. <laughs> <laughs> I go to the I, I, I go to the Democratic Party and the Republican Party and, you know, I, I'd meet a lot of people and talk to a lot of people. Uh, now, remember, we were in a, in a new environment and I really was interested in meeting a lot of people. But our idea about growing your business rapidly was very simple. Let's be in groups of people all day long instead of one person at a time. And that way we thought we could build our business a lot quicker. And uh, it worked. And uh, in the first year, we ended up being number nine in the board. And uh, we became number one, number one right after that. So that let us, that all that hard work during the day when kids are in school, led us to have a lot of evenings free. And because the work that was being done was significant. And it was how we were spending our time. It wasn't more time. It was how we were spending our time. Well, you probably also had to say a really powerful two-letter word a lot um, called no, which I think a lot of people struggle with because opportunities, you're out there. You were intentional. You were working at it. You were forming relationships. It's not like just because you were in groups of people throughout the day while your kids were at school that at five or six o'clock, people stopped asking you to do things. Talk to me about that mindset because that's where people struggle. Yeah, uh, it's true, but it's, uh, you know, it goes right back to the original comment about mindset. You know, what's your mindset about? There, there are people that are lovely people and people that, maybe need a little help or just want to talk or whatever. And all that's lovely. 
but I have a limited amount of time and I need to spend it in the ways that I can get what I want my life to be. And you got to really get intentional about that. So to this day, it's very hard for people uh, to get in front of me. You know, if you want, I mean, people would meet me and realize I'm growing a business and, you know, they want to sell me, I don't know, you know, koozie cups or, you know, promotional flyers or whatever. People want to sell me stuff. You start to succeed in business. People want to sell you stuff. Well, I have a very simple answer. I'll call me on the phone and see if we can meet. And I say, no, you can email me some information about your product or service. And if I'm interested, I'll follow up with you. Thanks. Oh, no, well, no, no. I really want to get together. I want to show you something. No, I'm sorry. I can't do that. I told you what I'm willing to do. And that's it. Any questions? See you later. Bye. Uh, and to this day, that's it. I don't typically have any vendor meetings unless I've seen something that's in an email. And it's just a way of screening because a lot of a lot of people just want to get in front of you and try to pitch you. And you know what? I do the same thing, but I won't let it be done to me because I understand somebody's somebody's got to focus on uh, you know their lead flow, and I'm going to focus on mine. And I'm looking for people who want to buy or sell, not who want to sell me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when I need something, I'll spend my time looking for the thing I need. The intentionality of how you spend your time is just it's just the game. There, there's nothing more valuable in your life, particularly if you're a business owner. There's nothing more valuable in your life than your time. And therefore, how you spend your time is the most important decision you have to make. If it's the most important thing there is, then how you spend it is the biggest decision there is to make. And when you get that clear, a lot of the other stuff fades away. That 80% stuff you're hinting at, and it's 80% of the people you don't really need to talk to, and 80% of the things you could be doing you don't really need to be focusing on. When you get down to 20% of the people I know, out of 100 people that I know, there's 20 people that can really significantly change my business. Uh, when you get that clear, and when you, you time block so that that happens, because that's what really matters, that's it. We get out the calendar every year, and we block out. Uh, Thanksgiving week, normally we're gone for 10 days for the start of ski season. And it depends on where it is. We went out to Vail two years ago. We went into Canada uh, last year. I mean, we go wherever we think it's going to be good. Uh, But we own a ski house in the mountains in Canada. So from mid-December to the second week in January, we're snow skiing. And that's time blocked out. And that's done. That's a done deal. Everyone in my family knows. All my friends know. We're just gone. You can invite us to your Christmas party. We won't be there. You can invite us to your New Year's party. We won't be there. We'll be in the mountains with our children. And we will be laughing and talking and we'll be snow skiing. We actually pull them out of school and the teachers understand uh, that they will do their lessons just like we do our work. We'll get up in the morning and we'll go ski. Three o'clock, we come off the mountain. We go flop down in front of the fireplace. Everybody in the family is opening up their laptops. Kids are pulling up their lessons that their teachers have posted, and we're pulling up emails and answering phone calls. And then somewhere around 6 o'clock, we're done. And then we start making dinner or go out to dinner and laugh and talk about the day and have a good time. And that will happen every year and has happened every year for 15 years with our family. And now that my kids are getting bigger, in fact, my baby, as I mentioned, just graduated last Friday. Now my wife and I are actually going to spend more time in the mountains snow skiing. So, but we'll still do that routine. We'll mix up 
learning and working and playing on a daily basis. It's just a daily routine of doing the things that matter. You know, everyone needs to learn something every day. Everybody needs to earn a little money every day. Everybody needs to play every day and be with the people that you love. And when you're fortunate enough to be a small business owner, this should be your goal. Is every year I work less and make more money and spend that time with my people that I love. Gene, a lot of people, they're hearing what you're saying. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm like, in, in some ways, fighting back tears because what I'm hearing you, hearing you say is just, it's moving for me. It's inspirational. It's giving me hope for what I want in my life. And I have at times questioned if it's possible. For a lot of people out there, they hear you say that and fear creeps into their mind. The idea of going to the teachers and saying, we're off. The idea of bucking the trend, defying what society has laid out as normal or, quote, acceptable, for you to be that clear on your intention and being willing to communicate to the world that, no, 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 I am in control of my time. I command my time, not the other way around. How do they take that first step? Well. I hate to be a broken record, but I think the I first like that step you're a broken record. Get, you're a beautiful freaking broken record. Yeah. You you gotta get clear about what you want your life to look like. It's it, it's the the first thing. It's the one thing. The one thing in your whole life is what you wanted your life to look like. Your life will be a tapestry that it'll it'll either either be a gorgeous painting by design or it'll be some things by design and a lot of spilled paint. But it will be a tapestry. And you can decide how much of it you want to look like the way you you envision your life or how much of it will be kind of just accidental splashes of color. And there'll be fun over here and pain over there and not a lot of rhyme or rhythm to it. And unfortunately, I think I'm describing a lot of people and the way they feel about their life that their life is a lot more accidental than it is intentional. But it's it's your deal. Nobody's going to step in and make your life intentional but you. The definition of a life by design is you design it. <laughs> not, not a life by outsourced design. <laughs> it's a life by your design. And you just got to make up your mind. You know, when I mentioned the hurricane, it's so funny about tragedies in life, but I think a lot of people who go through them will tell you this is so true. When when something horrendous happens to you, and it happens all the time to people all over the world, typhoons, for us it was a hurricane, tornadoes in the Midwest, earthquakes, whatever. But when a disaster happens, usually the first days or weeks after it, you're thinking, why me? What did I do to deserve this? And this is the way my wife and I felt after Andrew. It's like, I have no idea, no idea why this had to happen to us. Our life was starting to really pay off from what our plans had been. And now this. But the fact is, by relocating and by going through that disaster, we got a much sharper focus on what was necessary. Because what we had done is we started to make money, but we immediately bought a house and then we immediately bought new cars. So what we actually had was we had a good cash flow from our business, but we were spending it as fast as we were making it. So we really weren't understanding about debt and wealth and cash flows 
and work. We didn't really, under, we didn't get it. And I'm afraid a lot of people in life are living just like that. So what the disaster did to us is give us the focus of, if we're going to get what we want, we've got to really get real about it. And we did. And I don't think it takes a disaster to do that. You don't need to get hit in the head with a two by four. But it seems for some people, it's not going to happen unless you get hit with a two by four or a disaster. And somehow you got to wake up somehow. Mentors can be good for that. Just finding out a mentor, you can find somebody that's, you know, you're sitting there thinking, I want more out of my life. And I hear about people doing it, but I just don't seem to get any traction. Well, now we're back talking about it's the who you have around you that you're missing. There is somebody that can get in your head and wake you up and stick their finger in your eye when you need it, and you will get your butt in gear and start to become who you want to be. It is, it is vital. If you're not getting where you want to go, you need help, and you need to wake up to that simple fact. If you can't figure it out, then get somebody who will help you figure it out. We read books to try to figure it out. The one thing is pointing everybody in the right direction. But what people need to do after reading the one thing is go find somebody who can help them. Because if, you, if you're reading the one thing and thinking, oh, my God, this makes so much sense, the best way for you to take advantage of that insight you've got is to get somebody help you take advantage of it. Get guidance. Because doing everything alone is the hardest way to get anywhere. And I've been blessed to have a wife partner who's also a business partner. And in fact, I was just before we got on this call, I was in a business meeting with she and my uh, Rebecca, my wife, and our general manager, Joy, uh, of four of our businesses. And we were having a business meeting and talking about um, vacations and training and planning and just all the stuff we were just talking about. So we have help. We have a lot of help. We have about five people that are critical to our success. and. They, in turn, have their own help. And we were talking about their help in this meeting and about helping them with their help. People, ultimately, if you're listening to this and you're a business owner, the people that you have right around you, your employees, your staff, those are the people that you better have picked right because they can help you more than anybody. And you're paying them to help you. But most people hire the wrong people or they don't train the people well or if they hired the right person and they trained them well, they don't hold them accountable. They think, well, I got the right person and he's trained so I can set it and forget it. That's not true because everybody will drift. Everybody will drift because the 80% is overwhelming to everybody. So you have to be their coaching consultant and you need your own coaching consultant. And uh, I've been blessed to have some great people in my life that keep poking me in the eyeball and pinching my cheek when I need it. Well, let's talk about that because there is a my favorite Gene Rivers writer downer um, standards without <laughs> standards without consequences are merely suggestions. You talk about getting the right people into your world. You talk about needing to hold them accountable. This is a huge, huge challenge. And throughout this episode, I am hearing your actions being a testament to you being hyper clear on what you want making them standards and you holding yourself accountable to it. Let's go there. How do you begin to bring that level of accountability? How do you, 
talk about the quote. I mean, just I'm putting a quarter in the gene machine. Go. Yeah. Well, what I would tell you is very simple. When you hire somebody, and if you've read the one thing, you get this instantly. You got to understand the 80-20 as relates to their role. So the one thing you got to make sure somebody understands when you hire them is that I'm hiring you essentially for this 20% of the 100 tasks you have to do. There's 20 of those tasks that I'm really going to focus on. And the other tasks have to be done as well. But let me make it very clear to you. If you nail these 20 tasks out of the 100 tasks, you'll keep your job even if the 80 are, are a little sloppy. But if your 80 is done perfectly, absolutely perfectly, but your 20 is not, you won't keep your job. And in terms of measuring your performance, I'm going to focus on probably four things or five things that are the 20. Because the 20 has to be done. And we're going to measure those by defining specific metrics, as I mentioned. And we're going to track them on a daily basis until I'm comfortable that you have nailed it. And we no longer have to track it daily, but we'll track it weekly. And if you're ever off track, then it will go back to daily. I don't care if you're two years in the job. If you get off track, it'll go back to daily written reports. And once you're on that track path, then we can turn our attention to your future. When you're nailing the job you're hired to do consistently, then it becomes our conversations become more about where you're going than where you've been last week. And the conversations I want to have with people is where they're going, not where they've been. So when you hire talented people, the conversations they want are the conversations about where they're going. So when you do that well, uh, accountability ends up being a platform to talk about the future. When you do the hiring poorly, the conversations are about your failures in the hire. And a lot of people don't realize that. Well, a little coaching, a little consulting, I'm hoping I can get them up to par. Well, what you're saying should be directed at yourself. If I take some training and get better at hiring, I won't have these kinds of conversations. But people don't think the problem is them. They think the problem is the employee when usually the problem is the person that hired them. You hire the right people, you train them properly, and you hold them accountable. And once you're doing that, if they're the right people, again, those accountability discussions become more about the future than about what they did last week or last month. I, I want to jump in on, on what you just said because I need we need to pause and underscore it. You said that people oftentimes don't realize that the problem is them. When we were together last for training on our hiring process um, was when my assistant who I just hired was about 36, 38 days into her 90 days. And I'm thinking she's rocking it out. And you know what? She was. But what became so crystal clear to me was that I was not showing up every day with the clarity that I needed about what I was expecting from her. I was not showing up fully enough to be there to support her and bring that accountability to the table to give her every single right to be as successful as she could possibly be. It was all me. This is really hard for people. And, what, and, and, and I'm listening to you talk about the daily accountability and shifting to weekly and maybe back to daily. And, and, and there's that side of me, and I'm sure for many people who said, that sounds like micromanaging. Explain why it's not. Well, it's the difference between talent and non-talent. 
there is not a talented athlete who doesn't value great coaching. And they don't mean once a month. They don't even mean once a week. They mean constant, daily. They like having a talented coach helping them become better. So the higher the talent, and this is a truth I learned painfully. I mean, I've made way more mistakes than I've made successes. The good news is my successes have overcome all the mistakes I've made. But I've made way more mistakes than successes. And I think most successful people would probably say the exact same thing. But what I learned is, is when you hire uh, really talented people, the conversations you tend to have are always about the future. And when you don't hire really talented people, the conversations are avoided. And when you have them, they're about the past and they're painful. So when you talk about micromanagement, it feels like micromanagement when people aren't succeeding. When people are succeeding and you're talking about the future, it feels like a party. And when people are talking about micromanagement, they always mean it's painful. If it's painful, it's because they're not performing. And if they're not performing, you probably hired the wrong person. And no amount of, of discussion is going to fix that. I can't tell you how important it is to understand that people that are failing probably need to be replaced. And there's, there, there's a window because people can be failing because training hadn't taken a hold yet. But there's a window. And in, and in our training program that you mentioned, we have this 30, 60, 90. And the truth is you hired them, but you also hire them again in 30 and you hire them again in 60 and you hire them again in 90. And if they can get through a proper 90-day trial period, then you make the final hiring decision. And from that point on, if you did it right, the accountability from their point of view is going to be coaching and consulting from a great mentor, and I treasure that time together. And if you did it wrong, they'll accuse you of micromanaging them because you're always talking about my bad stuff and never celebrating my good stuff and blah, blah, blah. And it's a hard thing to, to realize that the more time you have to spend with somebody uh, and get accused of micromanaging them, it's highly likely it's because you made the wrong hire. And that's what happens. So I want to pull back to a 40,000 foot level and recap everything that we've covered here today. Because we set out in this interview to talk about striking that work-life counterbalance, which so many people, so many of you who are listening to this struggle with, which Gene has done a really good job of. And what you're hearing over and over and over again is just that intention, that clarity. He and his wife got very clear about what they wanted first and foremost. And then you heard about his time. It's their most valuable asset. And they are crystal clear and focused on where they are going to spend it. And they're not going to spend it on the 80%. They're spending it on the 20%. And and folks, if you want to live a big life, you're going to have to learn to succeed through others. And that's where this, this final part has come into play. Just the idea of bringing the right people into your world in the form of leverage, in the form of mentors, in the form of coaches. It, it all applies. Gene, what, what would you say to these people in terms of getting into action? Because I, I love that they're listening, love it, but I want them to do something about it. If they could only do one thing walking away from this episode, what would you guide them to do? I would look immediately at who is your coach or mentor or consultant. Who is it that you can say, hey, I heard this thing. Uh, I was listening to a podcast and I heard this thing and I, I really... 
I want to go somewhere I'm not gone before and I need help. Because I really do believe that most people that have been working and focused as a business owner, trying to grow a business and have hit a ceiling or have go, have grown very slowly, but you're really tired of it and you're really ready to move forward, uh, you'll, you'll probably get some traction if and only if you have somebody hold you accountable for changes that you need to make. Everybody's heard that old saying that if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to get what you're going to get. Wanting to change won't make you change. Someone holding you accountable to change might make you change, might make you change. It won't always happen, but it's, it's worked for me. Uh, it's worked for a lot of talented people I know. In fact, in my world, all the people that are succeeding, and I mean people selling literally hundreds of millions of dollars of goods or services, they have people that hold them accountable. So I'm going to guess most of your people, your listeners that aren't getting where they want to go, probably don't have someone holding them accountable for the things that matter the most for them to get where they want to go. So I would do that. I'd say get accountability. I love it. I love it. Well, Gene, thank you so much, man. I I really, really appreciate it. I got tremendous value from this and I know everybody else did as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was fun. Well, there you have it. My conversation with Gene Rivers. Wow. It's very rare that I'm almost speechless at the end of a conversation, but that was powerful for me. Um, And you probably heard me get choked up right after he talked about how he spends that time with his family and, and, and they're there skiing and spending time together. Just that vision was so vivid for me and it's so similar to the vision that I have for my family. Uh, that struck me hard. I hope you'll take to heart what he said at the end about seeking those relationships. If you walk away from this, identify that one person that you respect, that you think can help you go to them and say, I need help. I need to make some changes and and seek that type of an accountability relationship, a mentor relationship very transparently. And I, and I I share this from the bottom of my heart. It's been one of the most pleasant surprises of our founding members is the community that has come out of it. The feedback, the specific people who have just said, I have been looking for other people who thought like me who thought bigger, who would challenge my thinking, who could be my accountability partner, who could teach me how to be the type of person who is accountable, where we can dream together, take action together, fail together. It was a goal of creating that. We didn't know it was going to happen. But if, if you really feel like you lack those people in your life, I'm telling you, we have begun creating that community and you will want to consider joining it. Um, You can text the word founder to the number 33444, or you can go to theonething.com slash membership and get on the wait list. At this point, we're going to open the doors at the end of July, I believe, second half of July, and they're only going to be open for a few weeks because we want to get the right people in. We're going to close the doors. We want to build the systems around it and serve those people fully. So it will be a very quick, open, closed door to get in, but you will want to know when it happens because I'm telling you, we have created something incredibly special. Regardless whether you choose to join us there or not, though, we want you to get value. We want you to get results. 
which is why we always ask at the end, how do you implement this? What's the one thing you can do? Gene gave it to you. Will you be the type of person who chooses to take action? Yes or no? Open up your calendar right now. Put it on there. What time this week can you find 15 minutes to make a phone call? And if you don't know who that person is, go back to episode 49 and listen to the entire thing because I detail step-by-step on how I have done this and how I got to where I am with building these types of relationships. We do this to bring value to you. The the knowledge is there. You just got to take it and you got to implement it. So thank you so much for listening. If you are not officially subscribed to the show, please do so. So all future episodes like this one with Gene, how, how upset would you have been if you had missed this one? Are you kidding me? Make sure all the future ones automatically come to you by subscribing to the show. Please leave us a rating review. And when you do talk to that person, that one person you want to reach out to, if you'd recommend the podcast, that would mean the world to us. We want to continue to grow and we know that you're already sharing it. We want to acknowledge and thank you for those of you who are. And if you haven't yet, please consider doing so if we're bringing value. So thanks so much and we'll see you in the next episode. 